Hey everyone, Pizza Mind here. I got some great news. This podcast has grown by leaps and bounds, and we have a big announcement to tell you in reaction to that growth. Bryce, what's going on? Guys, we're leveling things up this year. Guys, starting the first week of January, okay? Starting the first week of January, we're changing the release schedule of the Crypto 101 podcast. So we're going to be releasing not one, but two episodes every single week in 2022. Okay, guys? So every Tuesday and every Thursday morning, you guys are going to be getting some brand new Crypto 101 content. And this begins Tuesday, January 4th. So mark your calendars uh, for after the new year, guys. And per usual, episodes are going to still remain available wherever you listen to podcasts along at crypto101podcast.com. And and that's it, guys. And the reason really, you know, why we're doing this, it's crazy. But we've just, like Pizza Mind said, we've seen such enormous growth. We're getting inquiries, you know, you know, literally like, you know, 50 to 100 every month for, for new guests to come on the show. Whereas back, you know, two, three years ago, we had to fight tooth and nail to get on top quality guests. And so it's just been a an awesome, awesome period. And we're excited to uh, dish up twice the amount of podcasts in the new year. And this is our way of saying thank you to you guys for voting us best podcast in 2018, 2019, and 2020, according to the Blockchain Influencer Award. So thank you so much. We feel the love. We're going to give it back to you in 2022. All right, all of you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. It is your host, Bryce Paul. Unfortunately, today I am not joined by my notorious counterpart, Mr. Aaron Pizzamind Malone. He is off in some unnamed, distanced land. Uh, He doesn't even tell me where he goes off to some days. But So today I am joined by Robert Matarazzi, who is the CEO of Lucka. Welcome, Robert. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Bryce. I can't express my uh, my appreciation enough here. But before we dive in here, uh, give us a little bit about your background. Uh, why did you get into this industry? Yeah, I was at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers working as a as a consultant in their their financial services practice. So working with a lot of the big big banks on uh, various. Uh, responses to new regulation and whatnot, but a lot of which that touched technology, cybersecurity, and a lot of the risk that comes with using various financial systems. Um, And was introduced to Luca, um, who was building solutions for institutions. And uh, and I was very attracted to um, the, the standards and the quality to which they were building their products at in a very, very new and innovating industry being the the crypto industry and so um i thought that once the crypto you know industry was really adopted by you know more mainstream financial institutions and and whatnot um that luca would be very well positioned to to cater to them and give them very important services and so it's been very exciting to see um the rest of the world adopt more and more of crypto over the past year of course yeah it's interesting so so luca and is basically the infrastructure that underpins a lot of these software companies uh, that are kind of building 
cryptocurrencies or building crypto exchanges, perhaps. Uh, tell us a little bit about what niche that Luca is filling here in the crypto sphere. Yeah, so we do we do the the not sexy side of crypto. We kind of joke around. So we're we're not doing the the front office. We're not a trading platform. We don't execute trades like the various exchanges or OCC desks and whatnot will do. But what we will do is we'll uh, offer software and data solutions to solve the middle and back office operations of all those businesses. Um, so absolutely, we 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 consider ourselves in the infrastructure category, and we're solving some of the most challenging data solutions with the most complex data sets that are out there with our, our software and data. And we, we build both in-house and, and we, do, uh, um, we do sometimes leverage some, some other vendors that are in the crypto industry on a case-by-case, -case. Uh, but we, we build the majority of our software and data independently. And, and so generally speaking, when a customer comes to you, for instance, I saw uh, online eToro, who's one of your customers. They're a big name in the space, um, a large crypto exchange. What do they generally come to you with a problem looking to solve? Sure. And I'll, I'll answer more generically. Just, um, you know, obviously, uh, we always go to go to uh, great efforts to respect all of our customers confidential information so but generically to customers like eToro and exchanges like when we're we're servicing them um, it could be a number a number of different things but it really starts with their back office so sorting out their crypto data or their subledger so that we can generate financial reports and that begins with collecting their data from usually a number of sources whether it's on-chain or off-chain sources um, and then we will uh, reconcile it or support them as they're reconciling it, depending, depending on their expertise. And then the ultimate goal is to get to a financial reporting output, whether it's journal entries, um, it's uh, tax reports, it's audit reports, it's reconciliation-related reports or investor reporting. And we do a number of custom reporting outputs at the end. But it's all, it all starts with solving... Uh, the data challenges that they have because the, data, the crypto data inherently is very complex and traditional uh, infrastructure or technology solutions um, cannot accommodate those intricacies. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one thing for a centralized business to have, um, you know, enterprise level software and the complexities that are surrounding it. But then you get into decentralized software and some of these DeFi platforms where there's virtually you know no reporting to anybody whether you know to the consumer or to any like it's just kind of this nebulous space and so th that that tends to be problematic in the eyes of uh, of regulators it tends to be problematic for a, a consumer to just not really know where his balances stand and his positions and all that kind of stuff and so do do, do you see a future for Luca um in the, the, the space of decentralized finance or any other decentralized app? Absolutely. I mean, we're doing it today, and so it can happen in a number of different ways. So, of course, there, there may be services that the actual DEXs require themselves. I'd say that's, you know, in a very immature state right now, and that's where a big focus of the regulators and whatnot, and, you know, what do we call these organizations um, and classify them and what type of reporting will be required. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that will unfold. But what we're experiencing today is... All the different businesses, whether it's a fund or it's another exchange or whatnot, that are trading on these DEXs, and they have challenges with that data as well. 
And so uh, what we've done for, for about 35 plus DEXs is we've mapped out um, their reference data is what it comes down to. And, uh, and so what happens is a user will insert a wallet address, so an Ethereum wallet address for a, an Ethereum-based DEX, and we can automatically identify the basin, uh, the basin counter asset associated with their trading activity and then apply values and, and facilitate re reporting in an automated way. Um, and so that's a, a huge, huge need. I'd say the majority of our customers have been you know, asking for those types of capabilities anxiously. Um, and there's a, a big list that we have of more DEXs that we're continuing to map because people are just trading all over the place. Yeah, it, it sounds like the, the prime customer from an enterprise level might be a fund administrator, somebody who's kind of like, you know, keeping exactly. track and reconciling all the trades as a third party sort of accountant for a hedge fund or something. And then maybe like a CPA who's trying to break into the crypto world. Is that right? Those are our customers that would be using our software to do what you just described. That's exactly right. So our one of our biggest customer segments are fund administrators, um, also fund auditors. And they're doing everything that you just described by using our software and data products. Wow, fantastic. So as the regulatory landscape kind of evolves for the crypto industry, um, how you know how do how do users and investors just best prepare themselves for these changes? Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's it's because we don't necessarily know where any of these rules or regulations are gonna end up. Right. Um, and so you know, I know what I tell my teams and my customers is, is you know, try to plan, plan for the unexpected and create things to be as configurable and uh, as, as possible so that when things change, we can do it quickly. Mm -hmm. um, of course, like that's a that's a big ask and, and, and these changes can go in a lot of directions. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the basic things are, are already in place. Like, you know, you have to pay taxes on on all capital assets and crypto is considered one. Um, in most countries around the world, there's exceptions, of course, and there's businesses that have kind of followed some of the tax havens. But for the most part, you have to pay taxes on this. Um, you have to report out on it. And there's a big focus on managing risk. And so I'd say if you're an organization, a business unit, um, you know, owner or participant, um, and you're not thinking about risk management, you're probably going to regret it. Um, and, uh, and if you are thinking about risk management, as long as you're doing it in a mature way, you're not gonna be able to guess what all the rules are gonna end up being, but if you're thinking about risk, you're probably doing a lot of the right things. And so that's what we see a lot of our customers doing and they're, they're reaching out to consultants and their auditors and, and thought leaders to help form opinions where there's maybe some gray mm -hmm. um, rules, uh, but, they're, but they're making the effort and they're, they're having the responsible conversations. And, and I think that's the, the biggest takeaway. Um, and we see it, we see a lot of that, particularly with the U.S. based businesses today, and we're starting to see it with a lot of the other ones as well. At a high level, um, can you kind of outline some of the different buckets of risk that people are trying to manage as you know business owners in the crypto space? Sure. So there's there's a big focus, I'd say, now on various um, various forms of financial risk, because that's, what's intuitive to people. They're saying, Hey, I need to manage my, my margin limits, or I need to, mm. to manage the risk of, associated with this trading activity or these positions or whatnot. And so that's, that's, a the very, the intuitive place for them to start. But what they often don't realize is that none of that can be performed 
if the companies or the vendors or the data that they're ingesting isn't thinking about the underlying technology risk. And so what I mean by technology risk is the quality in the data, the supervision over any methodologies or calculations, ensuring that calculations in a software solution are actually working as advertised and are working consistently. Um, and so and there's a lot of you know, very traditional um, technology risk domains that people are familiar with, but we don't often see them applied to these younger crypto companies. And so that's, you know, and we see a lot of them that are doing it now, the more mature ones are doing things like getting AICPA SOC audits for, for service organizations. We were the first one to get that in 2018, um, which is a, you know, a traditional framework, um, but it was, uh, it was not really utilized in the crypto industry yet. And we're seeing a lot of those other traditional ones like an ISO 27001 certification or NIST assessments. And there's a lot of traditional... Uh, frameworks that we can leverage um, that can be applied towards what, what we're seeing in crypto. That's fascinating. Um, so, so I kind of want to, you know, switch gears a little bit um, to the to the regulatory standpoint, and you know, just from a um, from like an anecdotal standpoint, I guess, like if you were leading a crypto council in DC or a lobby or a think tank or whatever. What sort of regulation or legislation would you propose or are you a really big like advocate for currently, um, if you are at all? Yeah, I think um, so. At, you know, speaking for Luca and my personal opinions, like we there there is an important role that regulators and standard setters play. Right. And so we appreciate that. And we absolutely um, encourage and are supportive of all, you know, responsible um, regulation or rules that are created around it, and we're we're you know try to help where we can. We participate in educational sessions all the time, and pretty much open the doors to uh, to be able to offer things like that. There's a long way though that that we need to go um, in creating these rules. Um, they're much farther, honestly, than they were, and I think people are becoming pretty aware of the underlying problems that they need to solve for a bit more. Is the big theme that we're going on right now. Um, but it's a really steep learning curve, and we have to we have to figure out how to do some things in new ways um, than we've done before. So, but but generally, you know, huge hugely supportive of of regulation, um, provided it doesn't uh, unreasonably um, prevent new innovation and in this from being adopted. Right, that would be, I think, uh, an over mm. an overreach for sure. So. Yeah. So provided it's supporting the adoption of crypto, but it's managing risk in the process is the right balance that we need to strive for. Even if you're bullish on Bitcoin, the last few weeks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Probably left you feeling a bit shaky and prove that you need high quality, resilient alternative assets in your portfolio to hedge against volatility. And no, I'm not talking about investing in real estate. Uh, because while real estate is tangible, you can't transport it and sell it anywhere in the world in any currency. For that, 
There's only fine art, which is why the Wall Street Journal recently called the art market to be among the hottest on earth. And it's outpaced the S&P from 1995 to 2020. It's also what billionaires have been using for hundreds of years to secure and grow their wealth. On average, the wealthiest individuals allocate 10 to 30% of their wealth to the art market. Now, you can get in on the asset class of millionaires with Masterworks. Uh, so Masterworks is the first ever fintech company that's democratizing the art investment landscape. Their small but mighty team has already securitized over $300 million worth of blue chip paintings from artists like Banksy, Kaz, and Basquiat. So when you feel the Bitcoin burn, you can still sleep easy knowing you got a piece of investment grade artwork in your portfolio. You can join over 250,000 investors by going to masterworks.io slash crypto 101. Again, that's masterworks.io slash crypto 101. And also you can go and see some important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. And those are also in the show notes. So, so Robert, do you think that in the future there's, um, you know, there there's a a, a world where you're going to have multiple chains, right? Like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana. You know, we're talking, you know, 15, 20 years down the line, or do you think it's going to kind of all boil down to to one chain, and maybe there will be a permissioned central bank digital currency, or or do you think that most of the action might be happening uh, on on, on you know, do you have any chains that you think are are particularly promising for one reason or another? You know, I, I don't, and I, and don't very deliberately. And honestly, we don't usually dwell on which chains are taking off because very often our customers will interact with um, a ton of them, mm. right? I mean, we support over fourteen thousand crypto assets across wow. our partners at Luca, so you know, trying to whittle it down to the top 10 or the next one that's going to be big. Um, I don't think we've seen it yet. I mean, if I had to guess, I think a lot of the ones that we see now will still be around and a ton more that don't exist yet will be here. And I think there's probably uh, newer businesses and new types of financial products that we'll see form around the crypto ecosystem that we haven't even seen yet that are going to be you know, just that are going to change global commerce. Mm. Um, and so I think it's very, very exciting. Like crypto is just getting started. Um, and uh, and I think we're only starting to finally realize like it just as, as a global economy. Right. I think we're just starting to finally recognize the benefits with, uh, you know, that crypto brings across the world. Yeah. Could, could you kind of talk to us a little bit about a future um where tokenized stocks, right, or digitized stocks and bonds and, and um, digitized representations of commodities, you know, they are tradable. Does that, you know, what does that do to the world? Yeah, it's pretty, I think it's a pretty simple answer. And we're already seeing companies that are focusing on um, on tokenizing securities. You know, that's not very mature yet, um, but there are companies that are looking at it and are innovating and not just securities, but other, I mean, I've there's tokenized debt, there's tokenized real estate, tokenized lending. I mean, we're seeing all different types of, of assets being repre represented in the form of tokens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, right, is that if we tokenize an asset and that asset is traditionally 
not liquid, um, or it's not accessible to certain regions of the world, or it's not accessible in fractional quantities, so it prohibits certain types of investors. Those are all the things that crypto changes. And so we can exchange assets for one another without cash. We can do it in fractional quantities, and we can access assets across borders. Um, and when you do all of that, it it really just changes how liquid those assets and how people can access them and trade them around the world. And that's what's really exciting. So I think that is the, I mean, we're already seeing it for people that are in crypto. As we see traditional assets start to benefit from some of those same characteristics, um, uh, you know, I believe it's it's safe to say it'll change those markets as well for, for I mean, I believe for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might make us think of risk in a new way and, and we'll, we'll figure that out and, and, uh, and, and mature how we manage risk as we go. Um, but the benefits are, are tremendous. Fantastic. No, very thorough answer. Um, it'll, it'll help in a lot of different ways, liquidity, transparency, ease of use, accessibility. Um, you know, one of the, the next questions that I, that I was thinking here, cause it's a, it's a two pronged question, but it's basically, you know, what do you see as the industry's, um, you know, what do you see as the industry's biggest challenge over the next, call it three to five years? And then what do you see as Luca's biggest challenge over the next three to five years? And, are, and I'm curious if they're a similar problem or a different problem. Yeah, I think the world's biggest challenge is education, right? And, and being open-minded to this. I mean, there's I think the world has opened up a lot more clearly in the last 12 months than, than the, mm-hmm. the couple years before that. Um, and so we're seeing this huge adoption and we're seeing traditional financial institutions launch, you know, formal businesses and whatnot, like, you know, a couple of our partners, S&P, um, Dow Jones Indices launching their crypto indexes and, mm-hmm. and uh, additionally, State Street launching fund services and, and a number of other partners. And so, you know, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that. But as that happens... Um, the education is is really the first thing that comes to mind. You know, is um, if you've read the Bitcoin white paper, you do not know about crypto. Um, you know, and I know that it came up on its anniversary, and there are all kinds of links and LinkedIn posts recently around the Bitcoin white paper. It's really interesting rereading that now, and there's no mention of 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 multiple blockchains. There's no mention of exchanging crypto assets for one another, and right. you know, the, the the Bitcoin was not designed for the ecosystem that we have today that's formed around crypto assets, like just innovation has done that, even though Bitcoin was the original spark there. And so, you know, that's what's really exciting. And so learning about the ecosystem and not dwelling on the blockchain itself, I think is where the majority of businesses need to focus. And uh, and that comes with just a ton of education and thinking about things kind of outside the box that they're used to living in. Luca, on the other hand, I think is past that because we see that vision. Like people join Luca because they believe that there's a huge and very exciting future around around crypto assets and tokenization. And what we're focused on is making sure that we can understand the underlying data so that we can build products and solve all the the kind of normal business operations problems on top of that data, um, so that the innovators can continue to innovate. And, uh, and they don't have to really worry about their middle or back office. Um, and so that's what we, uh, what we focus on um, in contrast to where I think it's a mainly an educational challenge for, for the rest of the world today. 
Awesome. No, very, very good answer. And uh, yeah, I, I agree, man. The the world definitely needs to continue learning uh, and uptaking all the things that uh, that the world that that, you know, guys like us right on podcasts are putting out there and all the newsletters and uh, all the crypto Twitter people. Um, so, yeah, keep doing your part out there. Keep educating everybody. Um, but but now, again, I'm going to switch gears one last time here. Um, to just more of a macro viewpoint of, uh, of of where we're at in the world. So if if we could zoom out, I think one of the the most prevailing you know trends, I guess in um, in the world right now is that inflation is soaring, and that's kind of this you know this this it, it, it's everywhere, right? It's 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 inescapable. It's um, liquid basically that we're all in, and you can't get out of it. So so how did we kind of get here? And where does this land us? Because I think a lot of people are just seeing in the headlines like, oh, inflation is here, but people have no idea what it means. Yeah, that's that's a great a great question that I'm not asked. And I, I'm not don't consider to myself to be an expert in that uh, in uh, in macroeconomics or on inflation. Um, you know, I think that when people do recognize um, what's going on when it relates to inflation around the world um, or honestly, just what's going on in any of the financial markets, particularly whenever there's a down day or there's uncertainty in any of those markets, we tend to see people give a second look at crypto a little bit. I think now we're also seeing people just recognize some of the big gains that they're seeing in the market conditions in crypto. And sometimes they're they're correlated to some traditional markets and in other times they're the exact opposite, which is, you know, it's really interesting to see all of this unfold. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I'm very curious to see particularly what's going to happen. I mean, in the United States and around the world when it comes to the, the, the economic situation right now. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure how to give you an answer on, on where it will go. But I, I'm, I'm anxiously watching it like, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, I guess, from like a, um, from one standpoint, it's like I know a, a guy who, who works at a, a company, right? They make um, you know, food products, right? Just generally. And he's like, dude, like the cost of our goods, like have gone up by 20%. So you realize that all of our food product, and that's just to inflation, right? That has nothing to do with other competitors, you know, moving their price. That's just like, oh, the cost of, you know, cheese or whatever has just gone up because the supply chain is backed up and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, those are, this is a shockwave that's going to be passed down through the supply chain. And, uh, you know, people aren't really prepared for, you know, such higher prices and everything. So I guess, you know, my, my one word of advice for everybody who's at home listening is just kind of mentally prepare yourself um, and obviously buy Bitcoin. That's why we've been buying Bitcoin for years and telling everybody to buy Bitcoin as an inflation hedge, right? This is, this is, uh, this is all we can recommend here in, in general. Um, but awesome. So, so Robert, while we still have you, we, we've got a couple more minutes of your time today. Um, but I just wanted to, to, to kind of ask you, Outside of what you're doing at Luca and outside of any of your partners or anybody that you might have a financial interest in, what's just one company, one crypto company that you think is making waves that you totally respect, you think they're doing great stuff, um, and you just want to give a shout out? Sure. And there's there's so many on this list. Um, and feel course. free to take a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ones. I mean, in the fund space, you know, there's there's one uh, coin funds that's out there, you know, hearing more and more great things about what they're doing. Um, so I'll give them a uh, 
Um, I'll, I'll give them a mention here and, uh, and recommend people to look at them and to look at what a lot of these other organizations are doing around attracting more talent into the crypto industry. Mm. Um, there's a, uh, um, another organization that's just newly being formed right now that's focused on recruiting military veterans into the crypto industry called Vita, um, Veterans and Digital Assets, for example, that I'm um, helping with and, and participating in, and it's just getting started. But that's another one that I'll that I'll mention. Um, and there's there's tons more too. So that you know, <laughs> that's a tricky question, but uh, um, it's it's great to see a lot of the uh, the companies that are out there that are that are really really doing things that are that are moving the needle. Yeah, love it. And uh, this is this is one question that I, I think you've actually kind of already answered. We've, there's so many nuggets of, of wisdom here, but it's a question we ask every guest at the end of the show. And it's as simple as, well, this is Crypto 101. And so a lot of times people might be clicking this for the very first time, right? This might be their very first podcast that they've listened to that has anything to do with cryptocurrency. And their mind is blown and they're like, what's going on? What's your one word of advice for somebody like that? Your one word of wisdom? Um, and then we'll close out is there's very safe ways to learn about crypto and I, and I recommend the, the best way to do it is to roll up your sleeves and to buy a little bit amount, you know, a little bit. You don't have to buy an amount that you're scared to lose. You can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin or, or any of these assets on a lot of trusted exchanges. I mean, pick a Kraken, a Coinbase, a Gemini, you know, any of these big exchanges there are, are not risky to interact with. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very easy to go buy a little bit just for learning purposes. Um, and so I'd say that's the number one advice. Make sure that you are being very security savvy. So use password managers. And if you're not familiar with password managers, I mean, you should be using them anyway <laughs> in this day, um, not just because of your crypto. But but yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the really the simple answer for the new people or people that have maybe not bought it yet is to not be scared of it. There's some very safe ways that, that don't put themselves at, at risk, so. Yeah, perfect. No, I, I echo that entirely. Um, so so awesome. So thank you so much, Robert, for coming on to share with us about um, Luca and all the amazing things that you guys are doing over there. Uh, and we hope to have you back on the show sometime soon when you guys have updates uh, and more announcements. Great. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Bryce. I'm happy to come back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.